Well, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of All Out War, episode number 120. 120, Rosie. Is it really? 120. And I just want to say Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, Happy Birthday. Happy Birthday. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I haven't seen you in so long. Yes. And we haven't recorded in a long time because uh, different various reasons, but um, man, the Rona hit my house mm-hmm. over the holidays. I, I was diagnosed with, uh, with Corona on Christmas Day. Nice. So I was under for couple weeks there just uh under the weather you know I, it, it wasn't bad for me yeah uh but it it got to two other people in my family mm. and uh, the ones that had already had it didn't get sick so mm. there you go i guess there's something to be said for that mm. but almost like a natural immunity or something like uh, that almost like there would be some kind of natural immunity i guess oh, yeah you mean like the body could <laughs> Fight off. Fight off something? That's, that's so crazy. I know. That's so crazy. It's almost like it was designed that way by like someone who was looking out for us or something. I don't know. Maybe. That's you're crazy. Get, you're getting crazy now. Yeah, yeah. that's well, right. We need just to put more stuff into our bodies to yeah. fight these things. But uh, yeah, so it was kind of a crazy time there. And uh, yeah. I got my 15th booster over there. <laughs> you're at 15? Only 15? Yeah, I've been, I know, I've been slacking. Wow. Yeah. What, but you are still ahead of New York, which yeah. they're like on fourth, I think, or something like that. I broke into a Walgreens <laughs> and I stole all the ones I could. <laughs> and I self and you just, I was maxing myself. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> you look like a pincushion. Yeah. Have you seen the meme with the dude with the head? And he's got like, he's like the, it's the in the uh, uh, NLP. What is it? The and, uh, NPL and uh, <laughs> the non player. Yeah, uh, I, I, NPC. <laughs> NPC. No, it's the NPC with all. It's literally like it looks like a mohawk full of needles, syringes, and, and like all of them. And then you got that Chad dude with the beard. Yeah, and he's like, they're both saying, "Why won't he die?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyways, yeah, man. But it was so it was crazy, and, and we have a, a really great episode. Uh, t- well, I'll talk about that in a minute. But so, what do you know, man? Hey, did you know? This is pretty cool. That uh, when the Soviets attempted to poison the president of, of Afghanistan in 1979, he unwittingly survived the assassination by drinking Coca-Cola <laughs> as the acidic drink diluted the poison. Wow. Yeah. Talk about lucky. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> even though I gave up uh, Coke, I gave up all soda for the new year. Cool. Um, and I can attest to There's a, a bottle of water Two here, of and, water. and you yeah. finished one off already. Yeah, I haven't drinking any soda. Uh, Good for you. But maybe I should because now I'm going to survive assassination attempts. Right. Yeah. Only if they poison me. Though. Only if they poison you with something that cokes the antidote. Yeah. But but there you go. Coke Zero is medicine. It is medicine. Officially confirmed. Confirmed. Hey, you know what? I didn't even say anything either. We want to congratulate Rachel. On the birth of yes. her little baby girl. Yes. On your birthday. On my birthday. Isn't that awesome? It's beautiful. That's so cool. If you do, if you if you guys know Rachel, go to her Instagram. You've probably seen it already. It's been it's been a week or so since the yeah. baby little girl was born. She's sweet, beautiful. Rachel's doing great. We're really happy for her and Andrew. Yeah. Uh, you know, doing the thing, making a family. It's awesome. Yeah. Now, now that's why she hasn't been on because she's. Super was super pregnant. That's right. She she took a break because she was pregnant. 
now you've had the baby. Rachel, get back on. Where are you? Come on, woman. This, where are you? you? You had the baby. Come on. The, the hard work's done. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, yeah. I got another did you know since uh, we've been so long. Yes. Tell me. Uh, do you know what the difference between pigeons and doves are? Are pigeons like the uh, the redneck version of a dove? Like the redneck cousin? I mean, pretty much. I mean, they're literally the same animal. Oh, they are? <laughs> yeah. There's no difference. <laughs> they're just different colors? Uh, yeah. Well, white and gray versus white. Well, it doesn't have to be. So this is interesting. The, it says to the layman, which is me, uh, the difference <laughs> between pigeons and doves has something to do with color. Maybe. So you're a layman. I'm a layman. Yeah. Or a location or general appeal. Doves usually get much better press than pigeons do. Yeah. <laughs> but what is the actual scientific difference between pigeons and doves? There isn't one. Uh, it says the word dove is a word that came into English from more Nordic languages, whereas pigeon came into English from French. Hmm. So it says both dove and pigeon refer to, this is why there's different ones, 308 species of birds. Wow. So there's 308 different S species, species that make up pigeons or doves. Right. Uh, it says there's no difference between a pigeon and a dove in scientific nomenclature, but colloquial English tends to categorize them by size. Something called a dove is generally smaller than something called a pigeon, but that's not always the case. A common pigeon, for example, is called both a rock dove and a rock pigeon. Hmm. It says uh, people have their, just have their own classification for what makes them difference. different. So in the Pacific, for example, <laughs> the big ones might get called pigeons and the smaller ones might be called doves. But they're more actually closely related with each other than they are to other things than, say in South America that are called pigeons and doves. Okay. All uh, right. It says, yeah, the, <laughs> the difference boils down to li linguistic traditions. So feel free to tell people you're releasing pigeons at your wedding or that you're feeding doves in the park. Or I think the dove just had better PR management, Yep. attached itself to Christianity mm -hmm. and got the whole Holy Spirit thing going because it's like a dove going up and down. You know, like the dove is the symbol of the uh, Holy Spirit. So yeah. I think their PR management was better than the pigeon. The pigeon's like, you son of a... <laughs> <laughs> the dove's like, sorry, sucker. I'm what, be... are they, what do they call um, flying squirrels? Flying like, squirrels? Because they're just like nuisances, but pigeons. Oh, f rats. Flying, flying rats. rats, yeah. 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 So, uh, yeah, it might make sense that... Uh, come up with something more beautiful than a flying rat to describe <laughs> the holy spirit you know like yes we need it gives Absolutely. its own classification yeah i'm That's sure that cool. those doves were very beautiful and not uh so you like these ugly yeah those ones the gray ones. with like the yeah. green and purple on their necks just, i mean it's actually not horrible they just look like they're overweight with skinny legs yeah. and stuff i got a pigeon tattoo actually Oh, you do yeah somewhere it's a story I, i'll have to tell a story someday okay it says it's my uh my mom tattoo with a pigeon. Oh, okay. Never, I don't yeah, know if it, that's cool. seen that. Yeah, I have seen it, but I never really looked at it that way, yeah. like like up close. Yeah, I'm allergic to red ink, so I can't get the heart oh, for mom. So. You're allergic to red ink? Man, yeah. did you find that out the hard way? Yeah, I got still stuff that's like still... Really? Yeah. How can you find out if you're allergic to a, an ink color? They just use it. And then you get screwed up. Well, it's just like it doesn't heal properly. Swells up or something. Yeah. Or itchy. It's still a little rough. Yeah. I got stuff down here. It's yes. from like. I know your leg, it's really colorful. Yeah. It's probably like seven years old and there's still a little. Wow. Bumpy parts. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. Anyways. Man. So 
I just want to make the, this this podcast episode is really cool. It's I'm so happy we did this for the first one for the new year for for 2022 uh, going into this new year. I think it's a great start um, episode, and our guest is is really phenomenal. Uh, if you are a single guy, mm-hmm. or if you're a guy, this is going to speak to you, and if you're a lady. This is going to help you understand what you might want to look for in a man if you're single and what your husband should be trying to strive for. So I think this is going to be a dynamic episode. might be a little challenging for some, hopefully educational, hopefully encouraging. But uh, nonetheless, uh, as I've always said, and I will continue to say, sit back, grab a coffee, and enjoy. You're listening to the All Out War Podcast. Well, hello, everybody. We have a wonderful guest on the podcast tonight. I'm excited about this one. Uh, the backstory on this is kind of cool. I was scrolling through Instagram. I think I was on Reels. And uh, I don't do that a whole lot. But when I was on that, uh, this one Reel came up and this guy <laughs> was just spitting facts about being a man, having confidence, and uh, just tied it tied in perfectly with uh, some of the things that I had been thinking about a little bit for my my eighteen year old son and for uh, some men that I know that are you know trying to prepare themselves for marriage. And so I clicked on the link, watched probably four or five of his reels. And then I decided, man, this guy, I'd love to have him come on the podcast. So here we are. His name is Luke. His Instagram account is Narrowway Man at at Instagram, and you can find him there. encourage you to – we'll put a link to his Instagram account in the uh, show notes as well. But I just want to welcome to the podcast Luke. Luke, how are you, man? Doing great, Turner. Thank you so much. How are you guys? We are doing good. good. (laughs) Yeah, this is our first recording of the new year, so – we're kind of getting back in the saddle, shake the rust off a little bit. We had a little break there, but I'm really stoked that you agreed to come on. Um, on your Instagram account profile, it says masculine identity, biblical principles, relationship dynamics, and holistic manhood. And I just thought that was so well put. And if there's a need that I can pinpoint in the church today is all of those things for men. <laughs> mm. It's pretty timely, but I wanted to ask you: How did you become? Like, how did what made you decide to start this Instagram account, and what's sort of the background on that? A little bit. Big question, Turner. But I'm happy to take a quick stab at it. So, um, I think a little background. I grew up in the church. Great family. Great parents. Uh, great upbringing. Was it perfect? No, none are, but it was great. And, um, I'm super thankful for it. And, uh, I grew up with a lot of guys like me in the church, you know, parents trying to do the right thing. And I woke up one day married for about two and a half years. And I realized that something was wrong. I realized that the, the method and the identity, the priorities of the ideal, if you will, Christian man Mm -hmm. 
um, in sort of the evangelical world was just broken. Hmm. Um, because I, I could see, I could see myself living that narrative out in my marriage, in my church and my work. And just so many things were not working out, um, that I felt like I was told would work out if I stuck to this original narrative. Um, and of course, what is the narrative in the church? As you alluded to, it's broken. Um, you know, the church as a whole, the Western church, to be more specific, yeah. a lot of times we get very, um, we get very uh, centered in our own experience in the West. And um, it's not the same way in the rest of the world. But in the West, we have a uh, weekend, softened, um, secularized, modernized version of masculinity that, uh, with the best of intentions, has been taught to, you know, boys, young men, and is now being taught to boys and young men. And uh, it creates, long story short, um, just sadly unmet expectations Mm -hmm. and a lot of young men that don't really feel like the men that they feel like they need to be. And they don't know why, and they, they're not getting the results with uh, finding a woman or um, just asserting themselves into the world or feeling confident at all. And I found myself in that category. And um, it wasn't until really just doing some, a lot of research, on, honestly, online and just figuring out, wow, there's a lot of people that feel this way. So that, that kind of birthed a journey. Mm-hmm. That got me started. Wow. So when you were, so you essentially, you basically were started to seek out what really needed to happen to help with your marriage and with your own kind of self like fulfillment. Is that, is that what I'm reading? Right? Yes. Yes. There was never, initially there was never an intent to, you know, start an Instagram account or anything like that. It was just, I literally got on Google and I was just, I, I felt so guilty Turner because <clears throat> a lot of the, well, I guess I have to explain it a little bit. I'm trying to summarize without going into <laughs> detail, but sure. here's an easy one. Here's an easy one. In the church, generally speaking, the evangelical church, there is almost an idolatry of the family Yes. to the point where, and it's all from good intentions, all from good intentions, but we we idolize and pedestalize the family to the point where so many young men and older men too wrap up their entire identity in the quote unquote success of their family unit, Mm -hmm. which as you well know, Turner, a man of your age knows this by now. Wait a second. My age. What? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) You can't do that. Well, right. You're right. Yeah. You're, you know, well, you, you have a, an 18 year old daughter, you know, that, that in and of itself tells me, okay, there's, there's plenty of, there's plenty of experiences you've been through to know, even if I do everything quote unquote, right, which is, you know, hard to do for more than five minutes, but let's say you do it, you know, you go on a great streak and you're, you know, you're, you're, you have a good batting average as a father, as a husband for a week. That still doesn't mean things are going to go well for you. Right. You know, there's not a set list of rules you can follow. And what happens is, is, you know, we go to church, we go through all these teachings, trainings, discipleship, well-meaning principles and all these things. And a lot of them are, you know, straight out of the scripture. 
But what, what ends up happening is this expectation of awesome. So if I do this, then my family's going to turn out great. Right. And that is the measure of a good Christian man is how, how he relates to his wife and how his children are. And it's just so broken. Cause that's not, even in scripture, you find examples of, of men who, you know, did their best and are considered men of God who did not have amazing results in the family department. Yeah. Yeah. And um, not that that should be, you know, fine. We shouldn't just, you know, roll over and be like, ah, you know, it is what it is. That's not what I'm saying. But when you put your identity in those things, which I was, my identity was wrapped up in how does my wife treat me? Or how's my marriage going? You know, a moment in time. How is it today? How is it this year? You know, when your identity is wrapped up in those things, it turns you into a soft, emasculated version of what God wants men to be. Yeah, I was going to say, kind of going off of that in um, a different, um, I mean, like this, the other angle of like what you're getting at about the um, wrapping up everything, you know, if the church is promoting, you know, like the family, the, you know, the ultimate, again, the, this isn't, you know, necessarily saying what the church is or isn't saying, but if the idea is coming across that like a man's ultimate uh, fulfillment of like God's will for him is to have a family and like that, that end point is like, you can't be a complete man uh, without it is saying like to people like myself, like I'm, I'm not married right now. I've never been married. Um, that like the, oh, you got to turn your, <laughs> sorry, it's on vibrate. Um, the, the other side of that is saying like, if the, the greatest fulfillment that a man can be is having a family that like somehow I am less of a man because I don't like, that's the, the other side of what you were talking about. Right. Like if we exactly wrap up everything and then, yeah. And that's where this stuff comes up with like, uh, uh, single guys. Like if, you know, I, I definitely want to be married and I'm, you know, making efforts to, you know, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm like, I, <laughs> right. I'll just say like, I, 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 I would like to be married. So it's not something I'm downputting, but, um, you know, it, a lot of guys that I, I know, like from church and stuff like that, young adults groups are, if I'm not married by some, and I was going to say, I'm a traditionalist, you know, like I have no problem by saying, you know, like men in the 50 or, you know, whenever some other time it's, you know, my parents, when they were my age, had two kids and they had their own house oh, and, right, my, yeah. you know, they had like a third on the way. And if I measure up myself comparing to my parents, then, you know, like I'm less of that or whatever. And so I know guys that like still say, like, I'm 24 and I'm not married yet. I'm a failure. And then they internalize that. And then they're like, well, if I'm going to be a failure like that. So it, it's a very real thing that you're talking about, um, not just like across the board masculinity, you know, it's not yeah. just the marriage it's before that. And, you know, guys, I know that's where, and I don't know if we're going to talk about this, but I'm just throwing it out. That's when all of a sudden, you know, the porn addiction, the stuff about, uh, I'm sure you're familiar. You talked about the internet, like MGTOW men go their own way, like that movement, or, you know, like, right, they, right. you know, that kind of stuff where these guys are just saying like, well, if I'm not married now, I'm going to, you know, do something else or, you know, find other ways of that. Fulfillment so, or something. Yeah, yeah. Of, like that thing because the church puts it up on such a high pedestal. Yeah. So, sorry, I, I didn't mean to derail that, but it was just the, the, 
the complete, you know, other side of the coin of what you're talking about is so true. Yes, 100%. Yeah, and, and the reason I didn't really wake up to how broken masculinity was, I mean, I knew it was broken, but it didn't hit home for me until it did because I was, let's just say, I was a high-performing young man in a sense that, you know, on paper, I was involved in the right things, you know, I got good grades, I worked hard, you know, had held down jobs, that kind of thing. You know, I worked out, I was, you know, in the word, involved in ministry, all these things. I got married to a beautiful young woman who came from a good family. And I was checking off all the boxes. Right. And that was kind of a curse in the sense of you don't realize that you're completely missing the boat. <laughs> it, because all of those things are outward, right? Mm-hmm. And God looks at the heart. And there's a resurgence, um, Rosie, to your point, there's multiple kind of resurgences of these men waking up and realizing this isn't right. Something's missing. You know, mm-hmm. some of it's a rebellion against church. Some of it's a rebellion against feminism, mm-hmm. which I'm not entirely opposed to. Some no. of it's a rebellion <laughs> against uh, <laughs> Neither are some we. of it's a rebellion against marriage, right? Which that's not the answer. Yeah. Um, and it all comes from this place of pain, right? A place of pain and frustration. You know, we have this thing deep within us, within us that we know we're destined for more. Um, and whatever we've been given just isn't cutting it anymore. So, no, I don't think you derailed it at all, Rosie. I think that's, that is the other side of the coin. And um, one that I'm experiencing now to kind of catch the end of the story after I kind of started going through this process, right. Of man, you know, what does it mean to be a man? Just kind of re reinventing or rediscovering myself, you know, who I am, mm-hmm. um, in God's eyes. Um, my, my wife was going through a similar process at the same time. And long story short, she left, she left me. She didn't, she was waking up, to her upbringing and her um, the things that she was raised to believe and realizing that she wanted to reject them. Mm. So we both, we both went through our own journeys and, um, and now to your point, Rosie, I'm on the other side of it where I can feel, and nobody says this, but by our actions and by where we put emphasis as a church, we often hint at the idea that, you know what, unless you're married with kids, you don't matter as much as a man. Yeah. Well, I I would say too, you know, well, first of all, Luke, um, thanks for sharing that. I know it's deeply personal and, um, and you know, I appreciate you being willing to uh, share that with us, you know, about your marriage. Um, one of the things that I've, to your point, is I've noticed this, that in particular in like uh, when people begin to get above the age of 25, um, the big question is, especially if they're in a relationship, they're like, so when are you guys going to get married? When are you going to, you know, when's that going to happen? And it seems to be a pressure thing that's put on there rather than just esteeming the value of that individual for the body of Christ in that congregation, you know, like um, they're serving, they're doing whatever they're doing, and uh, maybe they're just trying to get by, <laughs> you know, because they're maybe a little bit broken, Um and so it, it does need to be an adjustment, I think, from the church's viewpoint on how they relate to people that are not married or 
formerly married or just in that phase of life in that season of whatever you want to call it of being single and um what's and what's amazing to me is that in your like the the story for you is like through that it, that whole thing that you went through it really was an awakening for you to realize where your confidence comes from what it means to truly be a man and and that's my other side of this thing is that I think men's ministries too, and I don't want to pick on the church. It's not like I'm here to, to pick on the church, but I think men's ministries also in some way sell and speak to those guys like in my position where they have a family, they have kids, they've been married for a certain amount of years or whatever. And, and it's very difficult for a single guy or a guy that's maybe doesn't have kids yet or newlywed to really fit in and really glean from those if they're supposed to. Um, so right. I think, yeah. I hear you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I was going to say kind of just like another thing, um, an interesting point, you know, kind of going along with this and, you know, maybe we can stop picking on the church so much or, you know, whatever <laughs> it is. I got no problem picking on the church anyways, <laughs> but uh, by no means. But this just popped into my head, the same kind of thing. Along the same lines of, uh, you know, I have some, uh, I'm trying to think of a way to say it so that they're not, um, I'll frame it like this, you know, uh, I guess if you go, you run enough in like these very conservative, um, uh, I'm going to use like small O Orthodox, uh, Protestant, you know, like Bible believing churches, you know, maybe like some Southern Baptist church or a church that I would say is, you know, Orthodox conservative in the sense of like, they teach biblical values. They're not weird. Um, <laughs> and you know, I love picking on Catholics and, you know, I have my own issues and I'm no, I'm not supporting Catholicism, but I know that like traditional Catholics have the same kind of value about this, about have a big family and, you know, um, and maybe more so, but I know like from home, homeschool Protestant people have the same kind of value of, you know, if you don't have a big family, you're not, you know, really out there doing, you know, the, the commission, you know, the very first commandment that God gave is, you know, to be fruitful and multiply. And if you're not having as many kids as you can, you know, as you can't afford, you know, like at the time. Um, and so I was going to say, you know, it, it just thought about this at the same time is the same way I've seen friends that like have had issues for whatever reason, having kids, like they can't have kids and mm -hmm. they feel less than from the churches at the same time. Or, you know, like, uh, people get married and they're like, Oh, why aren't you having kids yet? You should be having kids now, you know, like all this kind of stuff that even, even if you got to the point of, you know, reaching this next level, all this top-down kind of emphasis that's being placed on this is now it's like, okay, you have a wife. Why aren't you making kids? Mm -hmm. You know, like it's always this next well, thing. Dude, Why aren't you raising them right? Even right? Uh, even historically, biblically, when you read in the Bible, women that could not bear children, it was considered a curse. Right. You know, like in the Old Testament, and they thought they were cursed by God. Yeah. So there's a huge pressure put on on women in particular in that situation where there's, you know, children where they can't they can't or they're struggling to get pregnant or they're hoping waiting on god to do that there's a big that's a whole big rigor mole but but you know luke i was going to ask you on the you said you're on the other side of it now 
And what was the biggest thing that you had to make adjustment wise yeah. on, you know, as you were transitioning into what, you know, this new you, this new biblical masculinity that you were trying to live out? That's a great question. So really basically going through, going through something like that, it really shakes you to your core. If, um, you know, I think, God has given most young men a fierce tenacity mm-hmm. um, and dedication that if they latch on something, they can be just extremely um, attached and and strong and hold fast to that. I think that's um, just that stability is something that uh, the masculine has that, that God's blessed us with. And whenever you do that with something, you know, and it's taken away from you mm-hmm. or, or worse yet, you know, that person that you're holding on to decides to leave. Um, it shakes you to your core and really has you look deep down inside and say, you know, who am I? Mm-hmm. What is the meaning of my life? What matters? What doesn't matter? And emerging from that were a couple realizations. And, it, and, and, the, and the first one is that men typically identify themselves by what they do and what they can measure and uh, very much tangible things. And I had to realize that that's just so, it's so worldly mm-hmm. and the trick. Is, and it's just not, it's not of God. Um, the, the, tr- the, the problem with it is the tricky part is, I guess, is that so many, so many things in our lives are great. You know, marriage is, is great. Family and, and children are great. Um, and, and, a, and a marriage that goes well is great. And children that, that grow up well and do great things are great. Um, and it's whenever our identity shifts into those things and away from God that, that we get in trouble. Mm-hmm. And it's either a subtle sort of trouble that you never notice and you spend your whole life uh, with your identity falsely placed, or if God is merciful it's a trouble that you do notice Mm -hmm. because he kind of rug pulls you or he, he graciously through pain, through trials, through whatever the case may be, shines a light on the fact that your identity does not need to be there. And that's essentially what happened to me over time. And it's still happening. I haven't arrived by any, by any means, but I would say now I know that my identity is from one thing only. Mm-hmm. And that is when God looks at me, he says, mine. Yeah. Yep. You're mine. You know, that's I, where it all starts. You, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. But You're good. Okay. Yeah. So that's great. I, I What you just said to me about that, though, is very interesting because in particular, when you're in a situation where you can't control the outcome, and you can't stop what's happening. Um, I had a friend of mine tell me one time, he's like, Turner, the only thing you can control is what you think, what you say, and what you do. That's it. You have no control over your wife, what she thinks, what she says, or what she does. And so the minute that you accept that and realize that that's the only, what is in your control, what you can handle, the better you're going to be. And um, it was such wise words because in the in that moment, um, 
when you realize that you can't control other people, even the best people make big mistakes and do stupid things and hurt other people, um, it releases uh, it releases from you a, a response mechanism that you that would probably make it worse. You know what I mean? Um, right. So, and learning that is really hard. Like, um, I remember one time I had a friend of mine going through some stuff, and you know, being a pastor for sixteen years, I was, you know, unfortunately, I was in a lot of counseling situations with people and marriages and so forth. And I can remember um, just speaking to this man about his marriage, and uh, he was in a situation where his wife wanted to leave him, and you know, he had basically set the marriage on cruise control. He checked all the boxes. You know, he checked all the boxes, you know, going to church every week, serving in the church, you know, all the Christian boxes that we would check, you know, that you were mentioning earlier. And he, his wife still was unfulfilled, wanted to leave. And he had kind of set the marriage on cruise control and was taking for granted um, the marriage and that she would, because she was a Christian, she would just kind of go along and submit or whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, one of the things that happened is it shook his confidence to the core because this person mm-hmm. who he thought was with him for the end was wanting out. And in that confidence shaking, he realized, as you said, the only thing he had left was Jesus. <laughs> that was it. And he also had to come to a place where he realized that if she was going to be with him, that was going to be her advantage. In other words, if she chose to stay in the marriage, it was going to be good for her because he was a good guy and he was going to treat her right and he was going to take care of her and he was going to protect her and love her and serve her the way Christ would want him to do that. Uh, but if she didn't, that was her loss, you know? Mm. And it, once he kind of came to that term, it gave him so much confidence because he was so insecure and it was shaken to the core um, when she wanted to mm. ro- roll out. And so... You know, I don't know if that speaks to anybody listening or, you know, in, in any way, but um, I just remember um, walking through that with this guy. And, you know, it, it thankfully, the Lord blessed him and he was able to rescue his marriage. It didn't fall apart and, uh, you know, things got better. But, uh, but I think that that's part of it, too. Guys don't fully understand kind of how that is supposed to work. We've been painting this picture of what biblical manhood masculinity looks like <laughs> and some of it's unachievable you know mm. oh man that, that resonates uh it takes me back i think one of the best examples of that sort of idea where where does your confidence come from so identity and confidence i think are very closely related but mm-hmm. <clears throat> confidence is sort of how the identity is fleshed out um, and I think a beautiful biblical example of that that speaks to your story there, Turner, is that of Moses, that familiar story where he's called into this position of leadership at the burning bush. Hmm. And, you know, God gives him this calling and says, you're going to go tell Pharaoh to, to let my people go. Kind of a big deal. And Moses um, immediately... I'm not sure how his identity was at that moment, probably not very strong, but I know his confidence immediately went to his capabilities, Mm -hmm. to his skill set, to his um, competence. Mm -hmm. That's immediately where his mind went. And he's thinking, 
I stutter a lot. I'm not very good at speaking. Um, so this is not going to work. And <laughs> that is where so much of um, masculinity is today, especially in the church, is we immediately try to root our confidence and our abilities. Um, and that's what the world wants us to do. Yeah. But God says, no, your confidence is not in your abilities. Your confidence is in the calling, the divine calling that I am placing on you right now. And you don't need to worry about your abilities because I'm the one who calls you. Hmm. And in your example with the husband, it is a miracle and a blessing answer to prayer that he was able to come to that realization, not just hear it, not just, you know, know it, but deep down inside, understand, you know what? All I have is Jesus. Jesus is all I need. And you know what? Jesus is really good. Jesus is all anyone needs. Mm-hmm. And if this, if this woman stays with me, she's going to stay in the calling that I have to be a godly husband to her. And I'm not going to do it right. I'm not going to do it perfectly, but it is a divine calling. Mm-hmm. And that's all I need to know. All I need to know is I belong to Jesus and I have a divine calling to be a husband and I'm going to live it out. And that's it. That's yeah. your confidence doesn't need to come from, are you six foot three with six pack abs, six figures? No, it doesn't need to come from your frame control. None of those things, your, your bank account, none of those things. Yeah. It comes from, I am a child of God and he's given me a divine calling and I have faith that he will equip me to carry up that calling. That's right. Despite my imperfections. And if you can be confident in that, you just, that's the cheat code. I mean, (laughs) the beautiful thing about the beautiful thing about, you know, Christianity is we can, we can talk for hours and hours about the complexities of theology, the complexities of, you know, redemption and all these things. And we can also make it really simple too. Yeah. And that's the really simple side of masculinity. You're, you're a child of God, you're a son of the King and you have a divine calling. And if you want to be confident in that, that's all you need. Yeah. Dude, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say kind of moving, um, along the same trajectory as I don't think we actually asked you, um, or, or, I just think this is kind of where the conversation, at least in my head was going to is we, uh, we, what would you say? are like the like what does biblical masculinity mean in the sense of like you know because uh you know that's a perfect example i'm not six foot three i definitely don't have a six pack and uh you know that's not me <laughs> um but you know and i don't have you know fancy car all, you know, all that stuff whatever um so but there there are examples i would say you know that i think is um, like I think of Samson, you know, like this big, strong, good-looking dude who. Or was he? What do you mean? Or was he? Oh, you think he was small? Well, miracle of God, all that strength had to come from God. What? What if he was like a weakling-looking dude? I never thought about that. I always assumed that he was like the big Chad, <laughs> like. But yeah. David, David yeah. was handsome, Rudy. They said that he was, you know. Yeah. Kind well, of this. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking of. Or, yeah. you know, like the, the there also talks about uh, his mighty men, you know, David's warriors and all yeah. these things. I, I always just picture, like, whenever I go back to his, uh, the movie 300, mm-hmm. just like Gerard <laughs> Butler and all the dudes. Like, I just right. picture all the uh, warriors like that. Boiled up six packs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Except not gay, like, the, I guess, the uh, Greeks were. Anyway, that's a whole other right. thing. Right. <laughs> 
um, but anyway, so I was just going to say, like, um, I think it would be kind of a good thing what, in your, like, what, uh, and I know it is kind of tough, and I know it, um, I was going to say, I was thinking much in the same way, like what you're talking about, that we could talk for hours about, you know, the redemption or, or anything like this, and, um, and I was going to say much in the same way that, like, I think biblical masculinity as a topic we will not be doing it full justice by trying to come up with what I'm about to ask you. So I, I am prefacing this all by saying like, I, I don't intend to, you know, all encompass all the nuances and every the intricacies of what it means to be a biblical man. But what would you say? Yeah. I'm trying to make, uh, make it easy. What are like some tangible things or like what um, are things that like men are, called to be like what are the traits of like a masculine man like what would you say that in terms of like again not knowing that we're not going to do a full list but like kind of what 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 would a list be like yeah what's a bullet point list look like yeah what would be the characteristics or something that we can strive for and i think that would be interesting to break down as we keep going sure um i'll i'll preface my answer by saying i am working on a list like that sort of Oh, okay. Um, but I, it's, it's such, um, my personality type is, is one that's so obsessed with logical systems and perfection, um, to a fault <laughs> that I'm really, I, I'm really scared to like name anything specific to that, that just would immortalize it in my fears. Of course it wouldn't, but, um, sure. so I am, I am working on that, uh, list, but I know it all. Because what's funny is, uh, now I'm going to kind of branch into part A, part B. So part A is there's so many um, things that I would say a biblical, biblically masculine man is that like apply to women too, you know, yeah. like your identity as a woman needs to be in God as well. You know, right. uh, your confidence as a woman needs to come from your calling, not, you know, and those are things that, that make a man and a woman. And I think, um, really the difference between a masculine man and a uh, a feminine woman, biblically speaking, really revolves around the calling. You know, we, we, you mentioned the the 300 guys, you know, uh, that have that, that body and that, you know, the war, the aggression, the stereotypical traditional uh, manhood look about them. Right. So, how does that mate with the guy that is, you know, small and just doesn't have a very good musculature, can't grow facial hair, doesn't like big trucks, you know, he's really into coding, <laughs> you know, he's got a, a more feminine voice, you know, I could go on, yeah. but he, but he's, you know, but he wants to follow God. He wants to be a masculine man. How does, how does the 300 model mate with him? Well, it really doesn't. Yeah. And that's okay. Because, it's not about the external. So I'll say as a man, it's about what you are called to do in your life at the time. So, so much of it is about, um, to your, to what I said earlier, marriage and family, but that it has to be deeper than that. Right. Because a man can be single. Mm-hmm. A man doesn't have to have a family. So when you start thinking about, okay, what does biblical masculinity look like? It's kind of part B. 
what we have to realize is this is a distinctively Western question and problem. Yeah. Like, and it's a, and a distinctively modern Western question and problem. Yeah. The Bible doesn't have as much to say, I think, as we would like it to about masculinity per se, simply because they didn't, we didn't need it. You know, they didn't need to discuss gender roles very much. So true, man. So Um, true. the, The problem of masculinity in the West has emerged in the past about 150 years or so with the dawn of the industrial revolution for one and with the secularization of our culture for two. Mm -hmm. Um, And the dawn of the industrial revolution really made the, the manly things, if you will, strength, aggression, persistence, tenacity, these things that the men had to do just to survive on a day-to-day basis in the West, you know, whether you're at war, whether you're protecting your home, you're a settler, you're a miner, you're, you know, these very manual labor intensive kind of jobs, those started to go away. And the value of um, traditional masculinity started to go away with that. But what we have to understand is that in the past 150 years of human existence, I mean, it's a very, it's a very new thing. Um, A book I read um, recently, you know, it's, good food for thought. It's called the way of men by Jack Donovan. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't recommend everything he says, but he lays out a very clear, um, progression of if the lights turned off tomorrow, you know, number one, you know, men and women would keep having sex, right? You know, right. if there's an apoc- apocalyptic situation, men and women would keep having sex. Women would bear children. They would become vulnerable they wouldn't be able to gather food. You know, the men would have to protect the woman. He basically just rebuilds traditional gender roles. Mm-hmm. You know, that would happen if we lost all of these modern conveniences. So that's, so um, Rosie, that's a long, long way of answering. I don't think the Bible necessarily outlines what is a, a, a godly man in principle so much as it does by example. So, yeah if I had to codify a single example for you or, or a single principle for you, I think it would be grounded hmm. groundedness. So the masculine is grounded and the feminine and a lot of people, a lot of people in the resurgence against, you know, feminine uh, feminism um, and make town, all that is like, it, somehow femininity is bad. No, it came from God. You know, it's, right. it's a part of God. But the masculine itself is stable and grounded um, and kind of long, long seeing, you know, future, future oriented. Well, what's the big picture? And then the feminine, by contrast, is dynamism, dance, you know, flowing and beauty and change, which are all good things as well. But I think that's if I was to give you one role that, um, the godly man plays it's the the role of groundedness you know the he's he's solid he's stable he's immovable i think that's why identity is so huge for men is because you know the the guys in 300 right we'll go back to them that they're pretty solid immovable stable they look i mean they look pretty rugged like you can't really knock them over and that's a physical appearance 
and it's all based in physical things in the body and all those things fade, mm-hmm. you know, put 35 years on any of those guys and you'll be able to knock them over a lot easier because mm-hmm. time does number on you. Right. Um, and you know, we don't want to think about that, but it does. And that's why that's not a good source of identity. Mm-hmm. And that's not, and that's why those guys are not ultimately going to be grounded and stable and good leaders and good men is because their identity is coming from, you know, the superficial. So groundedness, I think, would be a good place to start. And, you know, something that you mentioned earlier about at the very beginning about confidence, you know, in the Lord and not in your education, your, you know, your status or your physical, you know, stature, all of those things can change. Like you could be rich, you know, you could be completely rich one day and overnight lose it all. Uh, you could be yes. a specimen of physical, you know, athleticism and get into a severe car accident and be paralyzed, yeah. you know? So confidence in these temporary things is just going to fall short. And even if you're blessed, you know, to have a long life of health and, and look good, you know, the Bible's still pretty clear about beauty becoming fading, right. <laughs> you know? And it does. Me being five decades old, uh, now I know that life throws some weird curves at people and it can do a number on people. And one of the things it can do is it can take them out or it can build them up. Mm. You know, they can really come out of the other side of it, strengthened, more grounded, as you're saying, Luke, you know, and, um, they actually are living a better reality. Uh, all of these mm. facades mm-hmm. have been kind of lifted and they're living in a better reality. Yeah, I was going to say that's kind of like the thing that where there's really only two, I would say, uh, well, not only two. This is very much kind of just for the sake of the the ease of example that uh, most of the time, like when we're treated with hard things, like I'll speak for me, that typically, um, and I won't say which one I do more of because uh, like when when something that... uh, is a trouble or a, a, a trial um, testing by God. Uh, there's usually uh, the way I think of it. There's two responses that I usually go to: is why is uh, like w- you know where uh, why did God do this to me? Why is He doing this to me? Blah 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 blah. Like poor me, poor me, poor me. The other thing is like, oh, what is God teaching f- me from this? Is He can you know He typically draws nearer to me. Um, you know, in the past, every time I've gone through tough stuff, like I've, you know, like I, I have a very easy, uh, quick forgetter that like throughout my life, God, you know, uh, brings, gets closer to me and uh, draws near to me in times of trouble and stuff like that. But much in the same way, like what you were saying is like the confidence that it comes from my own confidence is none, because as soon as God throws me something a little difficult <laughs> beyond your ability right? yeah beyond yeah. my ability i'm like oh my gosh like you know i have nothing and now i'm you know like useless and everything but it's just interesting those two things of like what you were kind of saying is there there's these two responses of how people deal with the stuff they can either like you said uh be more invigorated in god by right you know seeing one side of it's just seeing the two different sides of the coin you know like taking the good or taking it the bad way it's for you know, I think Christians are uh, those two kind of responses of being mad at God for happening, having this happen, or being grateful that God is here with us as we go through it. Yeah. Um, so I have a question. Right. When you like on your Instagram, when you do your reels and stuff, um, and I want to encourage you to keep 
doing that. I think it's <laughs> I think it's really beneficial. I mean, I know it's it's growing and it's fairly new for you and everything, but I just want you to I want to encourage you in it. I think it's going to speak truth to people that need to hear it. You know, in particular, some men that might be in a similar situation you're in. You know, but um, when you speak that truth and you begin to speak the reality of confidence in Christ alone. And, uh, you know, I, my identity is founded in him and not in, you know, my, my abilities or whatever. Um, don't, isn't it interesting how people don't want to hear that? And you, you get like a backlash for that. Absolutely. Uh, it's, it's really, that's the hardest thing Turner <laughs> about all of this is because I really, it is so, it would be so easy to tell people what they want to hear. And right now the, the push, like the really popular push in kind of the, the kind of uh, conservative manosphere, I'll call it that a lot of it, we get, there's a lot of like Christian-esque influencers that, you know, say God and stuff or like, you know, one, you know, God and guns and that kind of stuff. And I, you know, I'm, I'm not against any of that, but like, they're not, they're still rooting their, their teachings and their, their influences. It's all about women, women, women. Like, how do you get women? How is it all about? Like, if you're single, how do you get a girl? If you're with a girl, how do you make sure she treats you right? How do you make sure she doesn't slap you around, maintain your frame, all these things. Mm -hmm. And that's where all the views and all the, like, that's what everyone wants to see is they want to see some tough guy with a hot girl telling you how you can be the same as him. Right. And there's the, the flex thing. It's the 300 is what it is. Mm-hmm. And because it, it's an inspiring, because that's, that's deep down inside. That's what, you know, guys want, you know, they're our flesh, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life. Mm-hmm. We're all drawn to mm-hmm. that picture um, as men. And, and the tricky part is, is there anything wrong with those things? Not really. Yeah. So to answer your question, yes, there's backlash because, people don't want to believe that all of the stuff they have is meaningless. Right. They don't want to believe that their car, their job, their status, their money, their, their abs, their lack of abs, <laughs> whatever it is. They don't want to believe that that doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. They don't. And it, and it takes, and it's hard to present it in a way that, that, that reels people in, um, and helps them understand because, you know, we want to cling to these things. And, and the thing is, so many of those things are good. Like the masculine, the masculine calling, right? You don't have to be a decisive person in your day-to-day life, but in the context of leadership in the context of marriage in the context of raising a family in the context of when there's uh, weak, weak people or weak um, entities around that need protection, you're called to be decisive as a man. Yeah. Right. But that doesn't mean that the Mr. Assertive 300 guy is the pinnacle of manhood. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't. It just means that, you know, the meek, quiet, calm guy that never says anything that everyone might think is a doormat when it's time for him to speak up, he better speak up. That's all it means, you know? Yeah. And it's, that's just not as sexy. That, that version of masculinity is not as sexy as the 300 pounds, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, but, but that's the kind that is truly sexy and is truly beautiful and is truly good in the right context. Yeah. 
um, and for the long haul. And, you know, and that's what God looks at. And I believe, you know, if, if you are a child of God, if you are truly one of God's children, then he is not going to let you as a man become 300, if you will. I'm, we're just, I'm just abusing that analogy. He will, God will not let you become 300 if you are truly a child of his and you're trying to root your identity in all of that. Yep. If you're trying to root your identity in the bank account, in the six pack, in the appearance, in the, in the hot piece on your arm, if you're trying to root your identity in those things, then a gracious father will not allow you to have any of it until your identity is with him. Yeah. And who wants to hear that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, you're exactly right, man. And I, I can I add something to that if you don't mind? I Sure. On the 300 sort of thing, like I do want to say that in my experience as a man, um, I've never been some big, you know, I'm five foot eight, 190 pounds. So, you know, and I could lose probably 15 pounds and I'd be good to go. But I've discovered that uh, when I buffet my physical body, it actually strengthens my inner man to the point of where I can actually, I can endure more difficult uh, things in my life. When I break my flesh yeah. down, when I buffet it, when I, you know, and I think Paul talks about how like there is some benefit that comes from physical exercise, you know. Um, so I, yeah. I don't want to discount that for people because there, there's a lot of discipline you can you can learn in your life, you can develop in your life when you hit the gym. There's your your you know you're attacking your flesh in a lot of ways as long as you don't let it become. A lot of guys will start going to the gym, they start to see gains, and then they become like in love with their body, <laughs> you yeah, know? That's, right. That's where it goes wrong, you know? Um, well, I was going to say, you know, kind of an interesting point. I was talking with some friends uh, the other day. We were just talking about, um, uh, I promise this will tie into what you're saying, the, uh, the prevalence of steroids use in mm -hmm. These, which is so just ridiculous that I'm going about to say Instagram influencers or social media, whatever, TikTok now. I don't know what it is. Yeah, I, right. I don't use social media. But um, like these people or perfect example, movie actors, all Gerard Butler, all those guys. I, I'm i not going to say anything. I, I don't want to. I'm probably talking out my butt. But I know that like it's an unspoken thing, even with bodybuilder, you know, like all these guys that take it. And I'm not, I'm not even talking about like Mr. Olympia. I'm talking the big dudes at your gym. If you're at like a serious weightlifting gym, mo those big dudes, there's a point where like you get so caught up in this thing that like you'd be willing to do anything to get bigger or, you know, yeah. there, there's a lot of. Yeah. Your identity becomes that. Right. And there's a lot of, uh, the, at least from my understanding or, you know, whatever, I, I don't want to make definitive statements on that as a whole, but there is a there's the good of it is like um i can't remember who it was maybe it was it was one it was either like socrates aristotle or plato that said you know it's uh and i'm paraphrasing it really terribly right now but it's like it's the biggest shame of a man to never know um like just how strong he can possibly be you know by the the exertion and the, the the battle of you know fighting against you know your body and like lifting and becoming strong and it's like a big shame to never take advantage of that and like not know what it means to be like a strong man that you're confident you know you get some confidence from that but 
I was going to say, yeah. Oh yeah. The, the whole thing is like, just in the same way that like, I think the church kind of puts this masculine thing on, uh, you know, er, er, this identity on, you know, like once you reach this platform, there's another plateau and then there's another thing you're always reaching for, you know, first it's marriage, then it's children, then it's having a good job to prepare, then it's making sure your children are good. And then it makes sure that, you know, you're having good, they're raising good kids. Then the retirement. There's always these things that like become of a biblical man, much in the same way that like, I think just Satan can use all these different rabbit holes. I'm thinking there's nothing wrong with, you know, being healthy and training your body and, you know, uh, defeating your flesh, you know, in that kind of thing, like warring against that. And that's a very masculine urge to, you know, struggle well, they say, you know, like just struggle and to, you know, conquer, but doing it, you know, for the good reason of like to be a better husband, you know, like I want to be strong or I want to be in shape so that I can, you know, be there for my friends or I can, um, you know, I enjoy it or I want to be around for to see my kids and I'm a hundred pounds overweight. You, you should probably start looking at your thing and worrying about your physical health to be there yeah. for, to display physical, you know, manly things. Like there's, there's other aspects around that, but it's that cult of like always needing to be, bigger you you know if you get caught up in something that is good the physical strength and all that it can lead to idolatry very easily of then you're doing all this crazy stuff that is just not it's just not realistic you know um exactly yeah i'm with you rosie um and i i'll do i'll do you another one too of we i I, i'm a huge proponent of every man working out every man doing weight training not because it has anything to do with identity, um, although it does, you know, provide a lot of benefits. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, just like any good thing, it can become an idol, an obsession, an identity source, um, which is, you know, going to watch out for that. But, you know, it's, it's easy when you think about it this way, you know, in space, right? In the absence of gravity, the human body deteriorates and they have to do, you know, they're trying to come up with how do we, prevent that you know you have to do these exercises in space you know so you're not degenerating too much deteriorating too much well um back to what i said about the industrial revolution and these things in the west men you know that paul if if, if he wrote you know I, I know what reference you're talking about you know um bodily exercise does profit a little bit yeah but like the dude was also making tents every day right right yeah. you know so like that's the thing that we're we're so we're so weird and different here in the West in 2022 is you know for the past hundred years we just haven't needed to exert our bodies in daily life that's and true. now yeah. that we don't have to we're not that's like we're leading it's not like we're living in space we're not living in space and like literally our bones are not. Just, deteriorating at, you know, like in that, but in, in a similar regard, like we're missing something. This is broken. This is not how God designed to live. God did not design us to be stimulated with caffeine all day, eat trashy food and have high cortisol levels when we're at a desk and can't do anything with it. He designed us to be out in the wild where when those cortisol levels come up, we're able to take care of the threat physically 
um, or able to work and mitigate it or, you know, have some sort of physical uh, reaction. Um, and to your point earlier, just there is no, there's no need for resistance. There's no need for pain, putting oneself through adversity. And that was part of everyday life right, uh, right. nearly a hundred years ago yeah. in human existence. And so not only would I say it's, it's okay and good, I would say it's needed for men to get in the gym yeah. um, from a testosterone perspective too. Not yes. that that's the Holy grail. And that's, that's walking the fine line too with what I'm doing because I, I want people, the reason it's called narrow way man is because it's this narrow way that we're all shooting for um, that you will find of somehow, how do I find my identity and all the right things, but also still, but without rejecting the things that the world idolizes that are good things, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. We, we, yes. We should go, we should go to the gym. We should get strong. We should have good testosterone levels for our own, you know, not everyone's going to have, you know, high, high levels, but we should all, work reasonably to um, become the best physical men that we can be, the best spiritual men that we can be, the best financial men that we can be. Yeah. You know, all those things are good, but how do we walk that line of, you know what? God is first and God is not only the first, but he is at the foundation of it. He's in the middle of it. He's in completely, it's all about him and for him, you know, that's why it's the narrow way, man, is because you don't want to reject any of these traditionally masculine things. But once you make it about those things, you've lost your way. Yeah, that's right. Turn it over to God. Yeah. 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 And, you know, there was no gyms pre-industrial revolution because your uh, your life was a gym. Yeah. You were walking a lot more. You were working in a field planting and harvesting, you know, as a farmer or, as you said, as a coal miner. A lot, right. of, my, a lot of my relatives were coal miners and uh from kentucky area and <laughs> tell them you gotta go go to the gym, gym after, after your work yeah, yeah. getting to work hours at, in the cold yeah. right yeah they get to work it's dark they work in the dark and then they come out it's dark it's like you know their whole life and then they die of black lung yeah. but uh but uh <laughs> but uh yeah i mean i'm for that too and i think i think like uh, like i'll give you an example i was texting with a buddy of mine and i was reading up um you know i'm kind of Rosie, if you've listened to our podcast for any amount of time, you know, we, we go into the fringe and the conspiracy stuff every once in a while, and, and we're not afraid to talk about it. And so what that does is that puts me, right. puts me in places of on the internet where I'm reading stuff. And one of the things that I was looking at was that there's a, a prediction of a supply chain uh, breakdown coming with food. And so I was texting with my buddy, and um, unfortunately, he doesn't live close to me, but but he's a good friend. And I he, he's a, an avid hunter. And I was like, Hey man, how do you clean a deer? Yeah. <laughs> Cause I'm thinking ahead as a leader of, and provider, you know, and protector of my family. If the supply chain breaks down, I'm going to need a freezer full of meat so that I can feed my family. If it's not available from the grocery store mm-hmm. and just trying to think ahead, uh, before, Biden was elected. Um, there was all these rumors going around that the power grid was going to break down or, or, was going to go out in particular where we live. It was a big high stress time. And so I went out and I bought a generator, a propane power generator for my house and for my family so that if things went sideways, I was prepared as a leader. And just thinking that way was exerting my masculinity in my, it was teaching my son. It was 
showing my wife and my daughters that, you know, I'm, I'm going to do whatever I can to take care of you and provide and help you. Uh, you know, I'm thinking about you ahead of myself. And I think it like, honestly, between you and me, I think it turned my wife on a little bit. I think <laughs> <laughs> it kind of rolled back to me in a good way, you know? <laughs> it's true though. Well, it's God's yeah. design. Yeah. Right? God designed it for it that true, way. Yeah. Yeah. I I was going to say, uh, you know, it was, it, this is kind of jumping back quite a bit, but uh, much in the same way, it, you know, I, I was, I, I'm sure you're familiar and if not, then I apologize for saying, I'm sure you're familiar with it, but uh, th this, it was really interesting kind of jumping back to something you had said was, uh, I, I don't know if I've talked a lot about this guy on our podcast. I, I can't remember. It's been so long since we just been doing all this i'm sure i have but the uh are you familiar with like roosh v the uh guy from like the he was like the pickup artist back in the manosphere you know a couple years ago uh that rings the bell did he write like a guide or something yeah so he basically uh he he was like the the, the one of these like huge uh he had this really popular website in like the early 2010s i want to say something like that maybe a little prior to that i'm not the arouche biographer by any means but he was basically like this big the, like one of the biggest pickup artists he had you know like this website called return of kings and it was all about just like he was one of the the leaders of like the neo-masculinity where it's like you know exactly like what you're talking about kind of like the dan blazarian uh <laughs> version of like masculinity like you need to be sleeping with hot you know nines and above you need to be doing it you know different chick all the time you know your body count needs to be really high if that you know the you know all these things you need to be you know, like you said, learn how to keep frame, you know, how to... The worst of the, the masculine the pick up. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the key about it was it's like all that stuff is the, the perfect... I was going to say the pickup artist kind of stuff is... Uh, it's very tricky because they do inadvertently teach guys how to be, you know, more masculine. Like they harness a masculine trait yeah. and then use it in the wrong version. So it's the pulling it. And I think that's why it was such a big resurgence. Of, it was a big thing. Anyways, so that's where Roosh was, and he wrote all these books about, he spent, uh, you know, I want to say like 10, 15 years traveling all over the world, just picking up girls, sleeping with them, and then writing books about how to pick up girls. I think he had like 20 books, and they were all like, you know, 300-page books. But we don't, honestly don't recommend them to any of our listeners. Well, you I'm not, why don't you listen to it? Okay, okay, all right. Hopping in a little sorry, too early. Sorry, there, brother. Prematurely there. Um, <laughs> anyway, so he would write like a book about, you know, this is how you get girls in Estonia. This is how you get them in Argentina. Anyway, come to find out, he, he's living this way for 15 years, all this stuff. His sister dies of cancer. He finds Christianity and immediately, like overnight, becomes like returns to his faith of like a Armenian Orthodox <laughs> and like dispels everything. He unpublishes all his old books. So I was going to say, you can't even buy his old oh, books cool. anymore. He unpublishes them. Sweet. And he just like, he's been keeping it up for like three years of being like, you know, disavowing every single thing. And one of the biggest things, so this is kind of like the story of why it's really interesting with this guy in particular of going from like this, 
and he completely disavows all the stuff. So it, it's always these cautionary tales that I think are really interesting in particular about like the girl stuff. And because um, I think, you know, there probably are a lot of single guys that are listening to this. And this is kind of where I'm seguing into is basically, you know, he and he full on radical transformation. It's the real deal. You know, he's been holding on for three years and just been getting more uh, giving all the glory to God disavowing all the old stuff and, uh, you know, becoming chaste until he's married, you know, all this crazy stuff, disavowing it. Um, and really talking about just the emptiness of all the stuff, you know, here is this guy that was making all this money, sleeping with all these girls, you know, living the, what would seem like the masculine, you know, I'm using quotes here, like the 300 masculine worldly view of success of like what it means to be a masculine man. And, you know, he just talks about how empty it was and how destroying of his soul it was. And um, so kind of, you know, transitioning towards that of, you know, what would you say to like the guys out there who are, you know, caught between the, these two kind of extremes of, you know, when you're looking for this masculine influence, it, it's either, you know, do these things so you can get chicks, you, you know, you're less of that or the church that's saying, you know, if you don't have a, you know, by, by you're 22 and you're not married, you're like a failure. And then these guys are saying, if you haven't, you know, slept with 20 girls by the time you're 22, you're a failure. Like, what would you say for the single man kind of, that's, I think there's a lot of people here or, you know, um, what should they focus on besides just weightlifting, which I think is really good. I'm sorry, that was a really long-winded way. I'm very long-winded with my things. Mm, no, man, it's all so good. Uh, yeah, I totally see where you're coming from there. And I am one of those guys. You know, I I deeply desire to have a wife and kids. I do. And um, same here, you know, it, all it's a here. big it's a big um, struggle for me every day. You know, I I know a lot of good things to say about identity and about masculinity. But when push comes to shove it's a daily surrender for me to say, you know what, God, you used that, you know, six years I was with my, my ex-wife, you used that for your glory. You have a plan, you have a purpose, all these things. So my, my answer, and this is, this is, this is really big. I'm glad you asked this question because this, this answer I think spells it speaks to the future of whatever single guy is listening. So if you're a single guy and you're listening or you know one, it is all about positioning yourself now to attract the right woman. Mm -hmm. But the way you do that is so counterintuitive um, to what you would think. Um, have you, this is kind of a long shot, but have you ever seen uh, either one of you guys seen Tears of the Sun with Bruce Willis? Yeah, yeah. Both okay, all right. <laughs> so Bruce is you know doing the Bruce thing. He's playing this character of this you know hardened vet, this war guy, right? And he's got this mission. He goes you know into the jungles of Africa to kind of do this extraction thing, right? Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the premise of the movie. And of course, you know, Dr. What's-Her-Face, this pretty lady, right, that enters a picture and you're kind of thinking, okay, great, they're going to 
you know, become a thing at some point. But what's great about this movie is Bruce Willis is just so, he's not rude to her. He's not mean to her. He's kind, but he's just so agnostic to her because he's so focused on his mission. And it was only at the very end of the movie as they're kind of going away in this helicopter that you see her lean her head against his shoulder and he kind of acknowledges it and says, okay, we can be a thing now. <laughs> and it's because he's so obsessed with what his calling is and what his purpose is that he's not derailed by this beautiful woman that is, you know, she's kind of a part of it, but she's not focused. And I, I call it just kind of the tears of the sun principle of as a young man, you know, the women, the best way to attract a woman um, is going to be to not concern yourself with them <laughs> and to concern yourself with what God has called you to in your life right here, right now. You know, so often we're, we're listening to the culture, we're listening to our peers, you know, or we're, we're looking at someone we respect and we're projecting their future onto our present and thinking we should be like them. And there's a still small voice, if we would listen to it, that, that wants, you know, God wants to engage with us where we're at. And, and the right woman is going to come to you if you focus on anything but her, if, or everything but her, you focus on your calling, your purpose, your identity in Christ she will be attracted to you because, and here's, here's the bomb. The bomb is women, you know, are wired both biologically and emotionally to want stability, security, and strength. Yep. And nothing screams weakness, instability, and insecurity like a man who does anything, anything for the approval of a woman. Yep. So young men, single guys, older single guys, husbands, if you are going to the gym to get that six pack to impress your future wife, your current wife, your girlfriend, you need to reevaluate it because anything that we do as men to seek validation or approval from women or anyone for that matter is not sourced in strength and true masculinity, it's sourced in this need, this toxic need for validation and approval and pride. Yeah. And so if you can take your focus completely off of the validation of random girls, your girlfriend, future wife, whatever it is, you can separate everything you do from that validation. That is exactly how you'll get that validation. Long, long term, long term. Yeah. You can play the game for a while. You know, there's a lot of alpha chads out there that can do the steroids. They got the great jobs. They got the great body, but they're doing it because they need validation. Yeah. And whenever they settle down and whenever his wife yanks that chain and unravels the wrap and realizes there's nobody underneath, hmm. that's when things are going to get really sad for him. And that's when things are going to get really sad for you, young man listening is whenever you, you know, you finally land this girl or you get the prize, whatever it is. And then she leans into you in real life, in real time, real tragedy hits, real crisis hits, whatever it is, or real conflict happens in your marriage. And there's nothing for her to lean into. That's when we have a problem. Yeah. 
Yeah. So if you want to build the real foundation that the godly young woman is going to be attracted to and say, you know what, that is strength, that's stability, and that's masculinity, and I'm attracted to that, that turns me on. If you want to build that, you have to be like Bruce Willis and focus on your mission, your objective, your calling that's right in front of you. You'll see the pretty girls, they'll come and go. And then the one that needs to stay with you will stay with you because your father only gives you good things. That's He's right. going to take care of you. Yeah, and I was going to say, that, that, dude, that was brilliant. Those were nuggets right <laughs> there, was, buddy. That's, that the was great. Nuggets for our single men out yeah. there. Um, and I was going to say, just to add on to that, uh, the, the perfect, uh, this was just in my mind when you're talking about uh, Tears of the Sun in the, in the movie, is the whole thing of it wasn't the reason that he wasn't like letting her like like you were saying he he balances that line of like being a jerk to it it's not you know completely ignoring all the advances of uh you know because sometimes you know we can be i i hasten to say and i know you are not saying this is like you're so hyper focused on this that sometimes you might miss the you know the girl might come around and you know if you're too hyper-focused, yeah. you can be a jerk to it. It's not about, you know, like, you know, just dismissing all women and saying like, you know, I'm only wait, you know, like all this kind of stuff and, you know, being this very dismissive thing. The whole thing about like in that movie is the reason that Bruce Willis, you know, the, I can't remember the character's name, the, the guy that was doing it, it was because it would have gotten in the way of the mission. If he would have started this rendezvous is all of a sudden, if he takes his head off of what he's doing, like, uh, to, I can't remember, um, the time frame. It was in the nine, uh, the nineties where it takes place. And I can't remember what, um, African country was going on. It was in the middle of a civil war. If I, yeah. uh, can't remember if I remember correctly is if he starts get, you know, dismissing of what he's doing, if he starts, you know, like, uh, letting his guard down, so to speak of, you know, like, Oh, where are we going to go sneak off to, to, you know, go have this romantic rendezvous or anything like that while he's still wor worried about extracting, getting his team, you know, safe, completing the mission. Then you can focus on all the other stuff is he's letting down the people that are relying upon him there. Right. If he starts worrying about her so much, he's going to start, you know, kowtowing to her. Well, not even yeah. that, but people are going to die if he's not right in there and he's holding, you know, like to his mission and doing everything, everything will go badly. Yeah. He, he needs to be there. Um, so I was going to say that I was just kind of thinking of that as when you're saying that um, there, there was a purpose for it. It wasn't just to be kind of like this. Uh, I'm just trying to, you know, kind of yeah. say the other side of remember, and I know you're not saying this, but uh, you know, you're not saying just be totally, you know, MGTOW, just you know, in, you know, hating women and all that kind of stuff by any means, but no, and not, I, yeah, exactly. And I was just going to say much in the same way, because we do have a large female population that listens to this t to find tidbits. And I know we've been talking about both sides of this is these are the kind of things that like a woman uh, that if you're a single Christian woman right now, like these are the traits that like to look for in a, a biblical guy. Right, These right. are the kind of things, you know, a guy that is not, you know, going to be a, a pushover. 
you know, whenever you say something that has his own opinion, you know, like that stands strong, right. is confident in Christ. You know, if you get into a fight, he's not going to start crying, you know, like all <laughs> this kind of stuff. And, you and know, bro, can I make a little aside too? Please. Yeah, go ahead. I'm done with that. Yeah. Right. Just a, a really, a much more relatable guy to think about is Han Solo. So to your point of uh, the Star Wars guy. Yeah. So to your point of, Hey, Bruce, I mean, his character in, in Tears of the Sun, he was not being a jerk to be a jerk. And he wasn't even really being a jerk. He was just, you know, politely, you know, doing his thing and, and not really engaging with the woman because right. the mission took priority at that time. Right. So, you know, that type of situation is not as flashy and it's not as, you know, sexy necessarily. Whereas you have Han Solo doing the same thing and he is going to take, he is going to jeopardize the mission to flirt. He's going to jeopardize the mission to be sexy and to, to flash a smile yeah. and to do cheeky things to gain attention. Mm-hmm. And you can do that too as a young man. Um, and you can divert your gaze from, you know, a single minded pursuit of God and his calling for you. You can do that and flirt around, but who's going to do better in marriage guys? Yeah. <laughs> who's going to do right. better in the long haul and who's going to attract the right kind of woman? Right. You know, Hans, the Han Solos of the world don't do well in marriage and they don't do well finding wife material. Yeah. They can hook up and they can look good and they can be flashy, but they are not going to settle down well and they're not going to find a woman worth fighting for and worth dying for, unfortunately. Dude, I mean, what, Han what, Solo ends up saying he, he doesn't stay with Princess Leia, right? You're the Star Wars guy, right? Um, no, they don't. They have a son who's complete. Kylo Ren is their son, and there you he's go. A, he becomes like, yeah, he That's tries to be word. Darth don't Vader. Be. <laughs> he wants to be his grandpa. Um, uh, I was gonna say, uh, my train of thought just got just. Oh, the so, irony of everything that you're saying about when a man truly sets his heart on those things and becomes that way is he actually becomes more attractive. Yeah. to women. Exactly. And you said it's counterintuitive. Exactly. And what's funny to me is that this is why in those stories, the bad guys get the girls. Like, you know how nice guys finish last is the phrase or whatever. And that's the big dilemma for Christian men, I notice, is like they have single Christian guys in particular. They're in they're in a singles group or a young adults group or whatever, or just they have a bunch of friend group and they have these women and they've got to be the nice guy and walk, you know, make sure the girls are walking to their car when it's dark and all the stuff that is proper and good and that that are truly are masculine. But it comes across as like um, it just comes across as like trying to get in the good graces and earn a spot. It's slimy. And, that's because that's what they're doing. Yeah. That's what they're trying to do. A lot of that's times. That's why it comes across that way is because they're trying to do it. Right. Exactly. So when you have the mind, uh, correct me if I'm wrong on this, when you have the mindset of if you choose to be with me, you're going to be, you're going to be good. It's going to be good for you. Like that's the confidence. It's not like arrogance, but it's confidence in the sense of, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to love you well. I'm going to support you. You know, I'm going to take, I'm going to, these things that are waiting that you long for and that you're made for, I'm actually going to fulfill them. Uh, <laughs> when you have that air of about yourself, like you just know it, it, it's a, it's the weirdest thing. Women are just attracted to this, this confidence that men carry about themselves, and they're not threatened by other men around. They're not, they're not intimidated by other men around, and things like that. Um, they just, 
it's just a presence and it's very attractive to a woman, especially a woman who is grounded in her faith and knows what she's looking for in a man. It'll be, it'll stand, you could stand out in a crowd of a thousand men because they can see it because that's what they're designed for. You know, I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah. If you, if you have, if you carry yourself in such a way where you are a complete, and this is, this hits home for me and you, Rosie, if you walk and carry yourself in such a way that you know that you are a complete, yes. powerful son of the king with or without a woman by your side. Right. If you can get in that headspace, then you're going to attract plenty of the right kinds of women to you. And women are intuitively way smarter than us, typically. typically. <laughs> right. Stereotypical. Their, t- like, their intuition is so good that to your point, I mean, you can, in, in a crowd of a thousand with very limited interaction, the women will be able to pick up if they're, if they're in a phase of life where they are looking for a stable life partner in a man, yeah. they will pick up on that. They will pick up on cockiness versus confidence, mm-hmm. humility versus false humility. They'll pick up on the nice guy holding the door open for them because they couldn't be they couldn't be six two and have all these, you know, the, the money and the body and the looks. They'll see that guy opening the door for them. And they'll know that for what it is. And then they'll see the confident, humble, I am what I am and I'm good with it either way guy that opens the door. Yeah. And that'll be hot to them. You know, it's, you're dead on. Yeah. And it doesn't change in marriage, by the way. It, yeah. it, it just doesn't. You, you know, men that are married, that you need to continue with that mindset through your marriage and, and serving your wife. I mean, yes. it turns it – turn, a woman is attracted to those things. They need to stay attracted to you in marriage. And that's where a lot, why a lot of marriages fail because men just get comfortable or they're not at that place. And the woman may have been desperate, saw you as the best possible option, got married to you, and then found out, oh man, I made a big mistake, and now they're in a they're in a pickle. They don't know what to do. Um, and so you have all these these things it, in marriage. It doesn't change. You you're actually building on that same mm-hmm. set of yes. you know that framework to to create a healthy, vibrant, loving, romantic, passionate marriage. Yeah, you know, and it's and Turner, harder. I'm going to snag on that point. I'll snag on that point you said earlier. Uh, you said a lot of times after marriage, the guys kind of give up or become complacent, right? Yeah. They kind, of, they kind of die off. So why is that? It's because they were doing those things yep. to get her validation, to right. get her approval. And that's why I'm telling the single guys, don't go down that road. Because then when you finally do get married, you're going to stop, bro. If you're <laughs> so in the true. gym... Getting the six pack right now so you can attract the hottie. Guess what? Once you get her, you're gonna let yourself go, dude. Uh-huh. Yep. Like you're gonna give her a bait and switch, my man, if you are pursuing <laughs> those things for the wrong reasons. That's so you right. gotta get you gotta get real real with yourself. You gotta get real real with yourself. But go ahead. I just wanted to make that tangent. No, I, I was gonna say uh the, the I think the perfect example, and maybe just we've been so gracious, you've been so gracious with uh, talking to us, and so grateful. And there's been so much great stuff that's yeah. been said. Is I think that like the biggest turn away uh, or takeaway that I was thinking in uh, 
to kind of use an analogy real quick is, you know, I have some, uh, like, I don't know if I've ever talked about it on the podcast, but I, I've got some, you know, like a uh, couple friends. We, you've had, we had, we interviewed a guy that was this, this total guy that I'm about to explain. I, I have a friend of mine who uh, just ridiculously badass special forces dude, did it, tons of tours, you know, overseas, came back, went back out as a contractor, you know, got shot, you know, died a couple of times, brought back to life, just badass dude. And he's ridiculously quiet. He's quiet, you know, now. And he, when we walk into like a room and I'm going, where we're hanging out, everyone, you know, he doesn't do anything. Just his presence there is like this confidence that everyone just like, it's, it <laughs> radiates. And it, it always is with these guys that like, they have this, and you know, it's trying to figure out what is, what is it about my buddy that like, just radiates this and it's this true confidence that comes from you know like this and maybe i'm just using this as an example of kind of a different way is like his confidence is any room that he walks into there's no threats to him he is the <laughs> not physically he, anyway there's right? no physical threats <laughs> right, yeah. he's the alpha and he's yeah. going to make sure that everything's okay so he doesn't have to worry and people can mm. read off that and it's that that's that true confidence that just comes from within. He doesn't he doesn't think about it. It's just this thing that he's just an innate knowing mm -hmm. in himself, and he's just that kind of confidence. And it, he, I mean, he it just it works. But much in the same way of like, what is true confidence in this in the sense of like for men? And I think it was really great how we distilled, but you guys distilled it was it's not this cockiness, like he said. It's not this arrogance. But it and the women, you know, you can tell the difference. Guys can tell the difference between other guys that have this. Right, right. Like the true confidence is, like you said, being grounded in identity and being unshakable in knowing that we come through. You know, we are all—all all that we have is comes from God. You know, that is unchanging. He views us the same. He loves us regardless. You know, and that's not and. You know, we can walk into any room, so to speak, and if we're grounded in Christ, if we're grounded in knowing who we are, we don't have to worry about anything. Like, nothing that people, it doesn't matter what people think about us when we walk into a room. We don't have to be nervous because we have our identity grounded in Christ. We know right. what he That's says right. about us. When we really internalize that, and I'm not perfect at this by any means, I'm not, I'm not trying to say that I have this by any means, but it's like when I, when I am in that mode of being rooted in that I don't care what other people think about me. And that comes off mm. as that genuine, that's what the genuine confidence is. It's not, I don't care about it, what any, anyone thinks about me because I'm so great and I know it. It's, I know exactly who I am and yeah. I'm okay with being that person. And that's the thing. Yep. That, that's the true confidence is just being okay with. Yeah. Yeah. So, Luke, let's um, it's going. We've been going on for an hour and a half now, so I, it's this has been fantastic. But I wanted to kind of wrap things up a little bit here, with um, what what are some of the things you do in your life as you're taking this journey to support yourself? Like, what kind of people are you surrounding yourself with? Have you been? Is it been difficult for you to find other guys that are, you know, that you can be friends with that are um, in that confidence journey and that walking, you know, committed to Christ and you know, maybe even in the same spot or even maybe they're engaged or they're even married. Um, what's, what would you recommend? Like some of the things to look for, how, like, 
one one mm. guy, two guys? Like, I mean, what what's working for you? Or are you still trying to figure that out? Like, what's where are you at with that? Mm. Yeah, great question. And and before I forget, guys, I uh, just want to say thank you so much for having me. It's been a real blessing chatting with you guys tonight. I really appreciate it. Um, so, um, Same. I would say a big thing you can do that I'm doing find a couple guys that have been through terrible marriages <laughs> that have <laughs> like made it out the other side and that, that, that seem to be the type of man that you would be okay becoming. If you can find a couple guys like that, it's massive because they have figured this stuff out yeah, and they're not necessarily, you know, Jedi masters, but they're pretty close. A lot of them. <laughs> um, and you can, and you know, they're just real and they're humble and they're kind of like your, uh, your special ops guy. They're not necessarily these flashy dudes, mm-hmm. um, but they, but they've been through it and they can give you nuggets of wisdom. I think that it's in Proverbs. It says wisdom. Uh, there's wisdom deep in the heart of man and you have to go get it. Like sometimes you got to go get it. Um, so I've got some of those guys, uh, super helpful. I would say it is tough on a peer level basis to find guys that have either, you know, I'm not special. God just put me through a trial Mm -hmm. that helped me understand some things that I never would have understood if I didn't go through that trial. So I'm not special, but it is hard to find guys who have been through something like that at my age. Um, yeah, typically that kind of thing doesn't happen to you until later on where you kind of have to redefine your masculinity. Um, and it, and it's rare that happens in a Christian environment, which I'm thankful that God kept my faith strong through the whole deal. Mm. Super blessed with that. Um, but then the other thing I would recommend is, drawing on your knowledge of scripture, uh, getting into the scripture more, um, as needed and just writing out some truths about your identity that resonate with you and literally reciting, affirming those every day, not in the woo woo sense, not in the secret, not in the law of attraction sense, but literally in the sense of I'm going to memorize and I'm going to recite and I'm going to drill into my head the truth about my identity the truth about God's promises in my life, I recommend doing it every day because guess what? The enemy is out there every day telling you the lies. Mm-hmm. You're hearing the lies every day in the culture, in the media, from your peers, mm-hmm. you know, your, your own self is telling you lies. And if you're not taking your daily dose of, you know, identity truths, it's just going to be that much harder for you. So I would recommend those two things, a mentor and multiple mentors, guys that have been through it. And then um, guys that are, are uh, for truths that you can recite and uh, meditate on from the Bible on your identity. Yeah. Dude, that's awesome. That is great. Yeah. That is great. Man, Luke, I just have been, this has been a great hour and a half of mm-hmm. just kind of unpacking, you know, um, your story here. And I, I honestly, what you said, which is so cool, is you're like, I'm not anybody special. God just sent something in my life that was really challenging, and I'm trying to walk through it. And what's amazing is I think that what you're, what the Lord's doing in your life is actually going to help equip other men uh, because it's not an unfamiliar route or path that 
many men are going to get put on that you've been on, <laughs> you know? Right. And I appreciate you being transparent and just yes. humble about it. It's really cool and it's needed. Um, listen, I've, I say this often in our podcast with our guests, you, you have an open door. Uh, if you ever write something or put a blog together or anything like that, let me know. I want to let our listeners know. And uh, I want to just encourage our listeners to go follow you on Instagram. It's narrowway at narrowway man on Instagram. That's all. That's all I know. I don't know if I haven't really looked for you on Twitter or anything like that. And I don't. I don't know if you even are. But um, I know you're there. That's all we got. Yeah, that's what you got. Okay. <laughs> and that's a. It's a great. You know, it's a great burgeoning resource there. That he's um, just. You know, I. I can tell you're a busy man. You've got a lot going on, and uh, it's one of those things that maybe you didn't expect it to do what it's doing, but I'm really thankful for it, and uh, I just want to wish you the best and continued success in uh, whatever, you know, however God unfolds the rest of uh, what he has for you in the future. You're setting yourself into a good spot, um, the way your heart and your attitude is, because that those are the things that God truly uh, respects and blessed, you know, blesses. Well, thank you, Turner. Uh, all glory to him, and I and I hope you're right. I, I believe I believe he does have a calling for me with this, and I just um, I'm praying for the wisdom and the grace to pursue that. But thank you so much for the encouragement. It yeah. means a lot. Yeah, man. Don't stop it. <laughs> and if you need encouragement, just hit me up, and I'll keep put you back on the path. Right? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Same goes. Awesome. For me. I might be calling you. Hey, men need that. Men need that. They yes. do. They do, man. They do for sure. Awesome. Well, Luke, thank you so much, man. This has been really fun. And, uh, you know, we will uh, put your all of your contact information in on our show notes of the podcast. So anyone listening, just go to the show notes and you can see the connection there for his Instagram account. And, uh, and Luke, maybe we'll get you back on again some other time here soon. And, uh, or uh, just pick your brain on some other things. You know, I'm, I know you're, uh, you're thinking through a lot of stuff. So it's just been great to talk with you. I second that. Thank you so much. I'd be happy to chat with you guys later. Really appreciate it. Awesome, awesome. brother. Yeah. Well, thanks, man. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, Turner. Thanks, Rosie. Y'all got to have a good night. Thanks, man. Right. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the All Out War podcast today. If you had a blast, then we'd love to have you back for another episode. So please subscribe and leave a review. We'd love to hear from you. You can also follow us on Instagram at All Out War Podcast or on Twitter at AOWCast. These episodes are also available on YouTube unless they contain a little too much truth. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time.